are you kidding? <laughs> Isn't that what it's about? Like being a person in the 21st century is about criticizing tradition as a <laughs> I am a politically active millennial. I have to criticize. (laughs) So uh, if if anyone has seen Fiddler on the Roof, that's the basic tenet of what the show is about. Yes, yes, (laughs) yes. Alex, uh, thank you. (laughs) Sorry, as the only Jewish person here, I have to kind of put my heels in the dirt. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Ultimate Musical Theater Brackets Season 4, Opening Numbers. My name is Alex Schneidman. Welcome to the Ultimate Musical Theater Brackets opening numbers, the final four, yada, yada, yada. Um, we're having some some technical fun times. Uh, you mean to, difficulties. You yeah, have to, to say difficulties to re- or no to one's going to understand record the beginning of this, uh, this, little, <laughs> this little thing. Um, and uh, we have some new guests with us this week who haven't been on the pod either at all or at all this year. Um, so so let's go around and uh, say hello and introduce ourselves. Uh, on my screen, we're going to start with Anna. Say hello, Anna. <gasps> hello. My, I don't know what my podcast voice is. <clears throat> my name is Anna Basile. Uh, am I supposed to say I I was Alex's surrogate mother in uh, in college cooked him a lot of food <laughs> you can um yeah that was me uh I of everyone in this group the only one not to be a musical theater certificate student I don't know what to say I I'm wearing a shirt that says I'm sensitive but you'd never guess it because I like to yell I love to sing. I love to dance. I love storytelling, but I don't love all musicals. Sarah. Hello, uh, podcast world. My name is Sarah. Um, I am absolutely delighted to be here. And I am especially happy to be here with two of my favorite women in the entire universe. Um, And I just want to say I did study musical theater in college. I did not complete the certificate program because I refused to take music theory. Uh, I just refused to take it. So um, I I will uh, have my opinion swayed today a lot. I'm pretty sure because I am really... Honestly, I'm very swayed by people that I love and respect. And um, I either love and or respect everybody in this room. And or... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, phoebe why don't you give us a hello hello everyone my name is phoebe happy to be returning i too was a surrogate mother of alex schneidman we were on the same theater board i wouldn't have said that but anna now that you have led with it i too have to talk about it um i am in theory a musical theater performer again it was like not the path I thought my career was gonna take but we're back I have a face steamer and everything and I actually use it really stoked to be here really stressed about making these decisions um let's let's freaking go let's freaking go person and Mariah say hello hello (laughs) great (laughs) so uh, we're gonna get right down to it. We're gonna we're gonna boogie woogie. Our first matchup is between uh, the prologue from Ragtime and the Circle of Life from The Lion King. 
who wants to go first? Well, I have a thought. The way that I'm organizing my thoughts, I'm going to talk about all four of the songs, but then I'm going to zoom in. Is that okay? Absolutely. Anna. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> if we're if we're putting the all four songs on like a scale from musical theme and feeling to like very very talky explainy, um, I would put Circle of Life and Ragtime on opposite ends. Where Circle of Life, no introduction to characters, no introduction to plot of. N- it's a, it's like a refrain that every, but it's a refrain that everyone in the world knows essentially. So it's like, it comes out strong out the gate, but, uh, but doesn't do a whole lot of introducing us to the, to the story or the characters. Whereas with ragtime, I was listening to it, um, earlier today in preparation. And I do love, I do love the music. And I think that, that the music does a lot on it by itself. But there's so much talking. There's so much talking. It's like playing the piano, doopy doopy doo, and they're just like, let's talk about, let's just have a conversation in the middle of this number. And I take some issue with that. So when I think about them, they're like very different in that specific way. I would like to add on to that and say, um, I until literally yesterday, I had never listened to the prologue from Ragtime. And I was really hoping that it would get eliminated so that I would not have to listen to it. (laughs) (laughs) Sarah, were you not voting? I was never voting for it because I was like... So so you did not listen to it, but you voted against it is what I'm hearing? (laughs) Because everything else was coming up against it. I was like, yeah, I like that. I like that. The only thing I knew about Ragtime until literally today was that Phoebe Gonzalez had been in it when she was And a so have Alex That's and Mariah. <laughs> Let's talk about it. Well, I, yeah, I, mean, I, knew, I knew that we did it at Northwestern, but like, whatever. We did everything at Northwestern. So, here's, here's where I'm coming from. Yeah, I didn't know a single thing about it. I could have confused Ragtime with Titanic, with Parade. I am still not convinced that they are three different shows. TBH. Period dress, just like singing and and right to the audience um i was coming in here thinking like okay we got to have an expositional opening number i am dating somebody who is not in the theater world whatsoever and like thinking about it from his perspective is like okay we want to be introduced to characters we want to be told what's happening but then i really started thinking about um the past few years i've been doing a lot of teaching as i know you know many of us have been and children Uh, albeit people, do not learn from just you telling something to them. Like, you can be like, I am mother, and I'm doing this. I am father, and I'm doing this. I am Booker T. Washington, and I do this. And I'm like, whoa, too many words. I can't process all of that, you know? I am going to, just like as a normal person, I am going to do so much better if you are giving me, one, a song with lyrical words. That's what I'm used to hearing in my music you know, from the day we arrived on this planet and blinking something to the sun. I'm like, that's poetic. I get it. Yeah. Um, And two, just like having a song really evoke an emotion. And I will say I did listen to Ragtime Prologue and I'm sorry, but it didn't evoke an emotion in me. What? And I did, it didn't marry a single emotion, not a single one. Well, one emotion that I did have was confusion. I was like, (laughs) 
Like, why are these people all dressed in white? And also, why? Why? I said this to Phoebe earlier, and I stand by it. I cannot condone a show that has characters that are just named mother and father. I can't do it. Like, if you're going to do that, do it for everybody. You can't also have Henry Ford and Harry Houdini in there. Like, what? Phoebe, do you have anything to uh, to to add? I just, Sarah, you're coming in really hard for someone who had to be explained the entire plot of Ragtime to in the last hour. Yeah, I spent and- a car ride with Sarah <laughs> an hour ago trying to very quickly rehash the entire plot of Ragtime and also and also to rehash like why it is a really smart adaptation of a book mm-hmm. that does mm-hmm. all of the things that are making Sarah mad. Like mother, yes, yes, mother is the mother of the little boy who begins the show in 1902. You know the one. But she also, like you as a joke, just ask, is she everyone's mother? But like, yes, because this is a show that employs the use of archetype very intentionally to capture a specific moment in our country's history. I hear it, but they only do that half the time. Because the people who have names... Because the people who have names are his- are historical figures. Uh, I just don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's okay. Uh. I, okay. I, <clears throat> wow. There's so much I want to say, but I know that, you know, our time is limited. And also, no, but I we, feel we like- We only have two matchups, Phoebe. Yeah. That's true. That's true. You're Last right. Poetic. I should say it all. Number one, and this is outside of the debate we're having. So Alex, you can cut this, I guess. But I do want to address- Something that was said two episodes ago, and I believe the argument leveled against you, Alex, was like, you know, ESPN doesn't have non-sports fans on their shows to talk about the sports. Why are you having people who don't self-identify as musical theater people or lovers of musical theater on your show? And you know what? I don't think that you should be criticized for that. If anything, I think you'd stand have more people who aren't super well-versed in the canon, who don't know every little detail about the history of musical theater. Because musical theater, (laughs) as a part of theater, is a form of art, and art is not supposed to just be for us whole snobs. I'm sorry, can I curse on this? I forgot. Uh, Yeah, whole's fine, snobs maybe not. (laughs) Okay, got it, got it, got it. Them fighting words, I know. But, like, I think that sometimes I have to guard myself against this as a huge theater nerd and, um, like, consumer of theater, which is that, like, if only I comprehend why something is emotionally significant, and this is why, Sarah, like, I will accept some of your arguments, then, like, maybe the piece actually doesn't stand as strongly on its own as I initially thought it did. And I'm not saying that, like, we as creators should be dumbing down our work or anything like certainly not but but we can't just assume that people are going to love it based on extensive knowledge of the canon so that's all i wanted to say um something very interesting was with the lion king the movie they were not sure how they were going to open the movie they did a bunch of versions of it with characters. So they did like one version of it was like Scar was watching from like afar and you just watch it from Scar's perspective. Another one was like just the scene. And instead of singing the Zulu, they spoke it like, like they had some animal characters speak it. 
and it just like felt very strange and then they decided to like write this opening and apparently they wrote it in a very short amount of time like they sat around for three hours had no idea what to do and then they like basically wrote it in an afternoon and it was perfect and they wow. changed it since then but when they showed it to michael eisner who at the time was the ceo of disney he was like guys this is really good and if people watch this and it's a bad movie they're gonna be really mad <laughs> and like what are what are we gonna do about that and that i guess forced them to change a lot about like editing the movie but also what they decided to do was for the first time ever the trailer of the movie was just the entire number of the circle of life they had never Ooh. done that before and they did it expressly for the purpose that people would watch the whole thing and know it already before coming in. So they would not be overwhelmed by how good it was and disappointed (laughs) by the rest of the story. But I will say, we're going to get back to Phoebe. Something I will say in the circle of life, and I will have my time to talk about ragtime. Something I will say about the circle of life is that, do you guys know the thing about like how you choose what character in a Muppet story is the human? What? No. So, this is one of my favorite things. I think the Muppets is a great way to understand storytelling. I really do. So, in Muppets movies, right, there are a lot of Muppets movies that are just the Muppets, like doing stuff. But the Muppets are always all of the Muppets, puppet people, and all of their archetypes, and then one human. And they adapt a lot of different stories. My favorite Muppet movie is the Muppet Christmas Carol. Obviously, the right and choice. The, and the way, obviously, the right choice. And a great and with a great opening number that movie. <laughs> and the way that you choose the human in a Muppet movie is you pick the character in the story that the that is the emotional heart of the story. Because if you make that a Muppet, it is going to be um very cartoony and the story is not going to have you're not going to be able to have the levity of the Muppets and also the significance of like the drama in the story so for example in Muppets Christmas Carol Scrooge is the human because if you make Scrooge the Muppet right then everything is very cartoony right and everything is very the the change from the beginning to the end is not as strong Um, but you can have Tiny Tim be a Muppet as long as you have the thing that is like contrasted to him, be that human and be very, very real to us. And that is what I think Circle of Life is <laughs> for the Lion King. It is like that. I, I I think a lot of people have criticized it when we've talked about it in the podcast as like, it's just thematic. It has nothing to do with character. But the the sound of the beginning of the Circle of Life is literally supposed to be a cry of the beginning of life, of entering the world, of entering the world in a scream. And there's more to see that can never be seen, more to do than can ever be done. And then also knowing that it's going to end. And like, you have to have it grounded in something so large for Hamlet adapted to lions to to be significant. It's true. Like, and, Mm -hmm. and for me, like a lot of people have been criticizing the fact that it's thematic, but it has to be thematic. Because if not, we lose the heart of the story. Phoebe? I feel like there have been a lot of things said, like blanket statements made about what makes a good opening number, which to be fair, that's literally what this podcast is about. So I get it. But I'm (laughs) not really interested in making any blanket statements about like, we can't have people talking directly to the audience. I hate an opening number where people are like, we're doing a play. I hate an opening number where it's thematic. Like, the question is, does it work? And does it bring you successfully into the world of the show? So there are plenty of thematic opening numbers 
that are non-specific or boring or don't have the same kind of lush musical build that Circle of Life does. Circle of Life works without question, you know? I have a, 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 I have one question about criteria, which is maybe this has already been addressed and I missed it, but technically The Lion King is a movie first and a musical second. And I have questions about that as far as like, what are we allowed to call musical theater? It's a musical for sure, but like, I don't know. I think I think as a movie, opening number for a movie, it is amazing. Are we making a strong distinction between like the musical and the movie? I mean, I guess there's not a lot of musicals that are like don't come from something else. But the fact that it like its first form was as a movie and so much of it, I don't know how much of it I don't know. That's that's like that. I don't have enough. Uh, I don't have a whole lot more to say about it. But it's just a question I have when thinking about the other matchups. That, um, yeah, I don't know. The half answer to that question, Anna, is I think the criteria we're thinking about is like how is the song that we see on stage? How does that hold up to the other songs we see on stage? Okay. Knowing that. Perhaps something we count for it or against it is how it was adapted from the movie. Okay. Changes that were necessary from it um, or maybe things that were lost from it, I think is, is uh, it's not a hard and fast rule, but it's definitely something you can think about. Well, and I think, I think in Circle of Life, in the musical opening number version, the, like the, the puppet tree version, one thing that it is really successful in doing is taking a source material that so many people know and are very, very familiar with, especially like in our age group, and telling you right off the bat exactly what you are going to get in this adaptation. They're saying here, we know you're coming in with expectations. Here is what we're going to give you. It's not going to be the animation. Obviously, we can't do that. It's not going to be like crazy projections. We're not trying to give you a Disney World show. We're trying to give you like what it might feel like, you know, quote unquote, in a way to like be in the savannah as a part of this like coming of the new prince. <laughs> so in that way, it's really successful. I, I think. agree. I agree. That's a good point. Right. Well, while we're also talking about adaptation, I would like to address some of, of Sarah's <laughs> critiques, <laughs> which do. I think are fair <laughs> because they were also... Very much the critiques I had the first time I watched Ragtime. I didn't love Ragtime the first time I saw it. Um, And uh, this is not a thing to save it, um, I think, from that criticism. But something I've really appreciated over time um, is it's it's from this book written in the 70s by like E.L. Doctorow. That is like a, it is a fictional book because there are fictional characters in it but they all have the same names and it begins and ends the same way the musical begins and ends. It begins with, um, uh, in 1902, in 1902 father, house, new Rochelle, blah, blah, blah. That's exactly how it begins. And there's actually all of almost all of the text in the, the song of ragtime that they say. And many of the lines that they sing, are from the chapter of that book. When you like read the chapter, it's actually like very beautiful to like hear 
like see the lines in different places and like hear the melodies of them and I found myself very emotional when I was doing that the book is like okay (laughs) um but the, the, the purpose of the book is that you get these very intimate moments from characters who do not have names other than their archetypes um but are supposed to be specific in the book and then these sweeping moments of history and in that i think that ragtime uh similarly to how you said sarah like circle of life shows what the adaptation is going to be i do think when you watch the rest of ragtime it makes good on the promise that it is these very intimate moments then put into the context of a very quickly changing world. Because I don't think it really matters that people remember these things about, I totally agree with you that nobody remembers the thing that Booker T. Washington said. Nobody remembers when they introduced Harry Houdini and like Evelyn and like all these stuff, all these different characters in the beginning. But part of it is just to like set you in the time and the fact that the whole show is about everything is changing really fast and no one knows how to keep up with it. But the more that I listen to it and the more that I know about what they were trying to, the time that they were trying to like encapsulate it, I get like so much Mm -hmm. more invested because there are so many details that like, again, people don't hear and they might not be important, but to me it like shows a, a reverence of what they were trying to portray that feels so true to the show that they were trying to make, whether or not that's a show you want to see. I, I would like to hear a little bit more about ragtime and then I would like us to vote. Yes. Go for it. Well, I was going to build off of Maria as, as one of the people in this who is I'm sure biased in some way by virtue of having performed in ragtime (laughs) as a teenager to build up what you were saying, Mariah, I think that there's also been a, a lot of talk about um, like the teaching, the burden of teaching that falls upon an opening number. And I think that ragtime, the prologue of ragtime teaches us a lot, not only about the characters, but about the musical world that you were about to enter into. And I don't just mean in like the traditional ways that opening numbers do often, which is to like give you little um, hints and like peaks at um, music that is going to be significant as the show progresses that you may or may not even realize you're picking up on. But also it like teaches you about, it has an eye towards history to what ragtime sounded like while also doing what we were just talking about doing. Um, and I think that y'all talked about this a couple of episodes ago because a lot of people you've had on have been in ragtime before. Uh-huh. But like in terms of emotional build, you, as as a, as a singer, it is hard not to feel like immense pride and excitement when you get to the end, when everyone is singing and harmonizing together. And I think that when you're in a theater with that, it's it's impossible for that not to be infectious. I know that you're trying to move us forward to vote. I just want to introduce one thing that's been on my mind this week because so many criteria have been introduced to, to like talk about what we think makes a successful opening number. And I feel like we've already covered a lot of the musical reasons and a lot of the plot reasons and a lot of the thematic reasons. But to me, of the four musicals that we're talking about today, there is like a political tilt to all of them. Artie, I'm sorry, he's about to grow. Um, <laughs> And I, Artie I does not like the political tilt. <laughs> I know. Artie is like, girl, stop. That's not what you're here to talk about. <laughs> I think that 
of the four musicals, I think the politics of ragtime have aged the worst. And that doesn't mean that I think that they are like harmful or, or bad necessarily, but I think they're, it is a show that was clearly conceived of in the nineties when we had some, uh, or shall we say like the public at large had less nuanced ideas about racism and how it functioned and how far away we lived from it. And also like what the solution of uh, to the societal issue of racism was so I don't know if that is in any way helpful when it comes to <laughs> judging opening <laughs> anyway I'll stop talking you want us to vote Thank okay you. we are going to vote <laughs> all right to determine one of our finalists Mariah you have five votes um I'm gonna give three to the circle of life and I'm gonna give two to ragtime Anna, you have five votes. I am going to give three to ragtime and two to the circle of life. Wow. Sorry. <laughs> no, honestly. Vote nice. off. Sarah, Sarah, you have five votes. Great. I am fully expecting to get bullied for this, but I'm going to give five votes to the circle of life. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Phoebe, you have five votes. It's going to be three to ragtime, two to circle of life for me. Okay. So, uh, the circle of life won the public vote. Uh, 54 to 46. Wow. I'm surprised. And uh, it won the podcast vote 12 to 8. So when everything falls where it falls, (laughs) it wins and advances to the next round uh, with a 56 to 44 victory. Now we have one more matchup to get through before the rest of us go away. It is between tradition from the fiddler from from the, the fiddler. Fiddler, from fiddler on the roof, and uh, and in the heights from in the heights. Someone talk. Oh, man. Oh, I hate this. Phoebe, oh, why do you hate it? I hate this. I hate this because I'm very torn. You know that I think I still think ninety six thousand should have won last year. So. In that way, I'm like, on principle, I got to throw all my votes at In the Heights because of the injustice of last season. But I have been doing a lot of re-listening to tradition, and there is a reason that everyone's uncle knows this song, whether they've (laughs) even freaking seen the show. Oh, it's so it's so successful. I, and I like the the OG version that also has like all the talking and instrumental stuff before and after. Um, it's it's just manages to be so many things. It's an introduction to the world. It's an introduction to the community. It is an incredibly charming like character song too, because you get not only what he's singing, but like he, like Tevya enters and very quickly is like, I am the interlocutor of this story and don't worry, I got you. It's going to be funny. It's going to be sad. I'm going to have a lot of opinions and we're going to talk about them. Um, But you also get an incredible interlocutor in Usnavi. So I'm really stressed and I think I need to hear other people talk about this. (laughs) Well, literally everything that you just said about tradition, you could say about In the Heights. I know! (laughs) It's a, a song that is introducing you uh, to a community right off the bat. I know we've spent a lot of time on this podcast talking about like 
Welcome to Our Community songs, which I generally think are very uh, successful opening numbers. Um, And In the Heights is probably like the most nuanced like version of that where I think somebody said maybe last week or the week before that like um in in the heights you're not they're not pulling characters out and being like look at this character this is this guy they're just going about their everyday lives um and but tradition on the other end of the spectrum is maybe the best version of like a presentational welcome to our community opening where we're saying like here are the things you need to know as an audience before you can be fully like indoctrinated into this world and understand what's going on. And it does it so successfully by bringing in the papas, the mamas, the sons, the daughters, whatever, and then bringing them all together to show like how everybody fits in. Um, I think both of these numbers do a really good job of bringing the audience in and saying, you can be a part of our community. We're not just going to show you what it's all about. We're actually going to like, involve you and your emotions in what we're about to do and get ready because it's going to be a crazy cuckoo ride from start to finish and like you're going to feel everything in between you know like both shows do that so well so I don't know how I feel either Anna how do you feel oh (laughs) (laughs) well okay (laughs) um the one way this is going to sound dumb okay I think it's a good thing to have a dumb Dumb, dumb thought. So this is my dumb thought. Um, tradition also has, introduces this metaphor of the fiddler on the roof, which I think gives it a little bit of an up. I originally coming into this recording, I was like, it's in the Heights. It's got to be. And I kind of still think that way. However, listening to the two of them, like back to back. So tradition has like a lyrical like an element of poetry that is is for me more rooted in like the language and the and the metaphor and the idea whereas I think that there's like a tremendous amount of poetry in in the heights but it's a different kind of poetry it's like the poetry of movement and the poetry of like even just the fact that even the like text the talking is singing it's like the musicality of language and it but there's like an overt metaphor for tradition introducing like oh the fiddler on the roof and life is like that and there's like more like there there is a lot of metaphor and poetry in in the heights but it's not uh, explicitly stated and I don't necessarily think that one is better than the other but that is one way in which I see them being very different I'm just geeked because both of them have, I think, that quality that I was talking about with Ragtime, R.I.P. Um, Her body's not even cold. <laughs> which is that they they both have that, like, infectious quality of everyone singing together at the end and everyone building towards a moment of unison. Um, but they're so different. And how exciting that we get to talk about that. That's all. I don't have anything else. I'm just excited. Yeah, you know, that moment at the end of tradition, when you've heard them say tradition 5,000 million times, <laughs> you're like, what is this show about? No, but the moment at the end when they do, like, the choreography, you know how, like, in, in Wicked, all the alphabets have to go, like, arms up the wizard and die and then they have to like face back and then face up again like there's those moments of choreography in tradition I feel like that moment is that very last tradition everybody is 
stooping down to the ground. We are scooping up the earth and we are coming up, right, rise to root, coming up strong. And when everybody is doing that, it is impossible not to feel like a little bit shook to your core, you know, to be like, whoa. And that's really interesting to have like one big moment that everything is building to that hits like so perfectly. I love that. Is there a moment like that in 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 the Heights? I think so. I mean, there's not a moment where they're literally like lifting the ground out of the earth. No. (laughs) Like hearing the repetition of I hang my flag upon display. Like that is that is Mm -hmm. all like what is that but a call to like celebration of culture. And also just musically, like the the musical styles are so different that like the Mm, the music of Fiddler is much more like square (laughs) and square not in like a nerdy way okay but also but also the beat drop after the horse mule section is pretty good (laughs) that's the one i'm talking about mariah that beat drop you got horse mule horse mule horse mule horse mule tradition yeah That's the moment where everybody's like taking their shirts off and whipping them around in the audience. <laughs> do you think there's, because I, I just feel like all of us are so split. Do you, do you think there is anything to In the Heights making, uh, being more demanding of its soloist singers? You know, Vanessa's entrance is nothing to be laughed at. It's, it's so hard. hard. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's very hard. <laughs> um... It, we were literally listening to it in the car today yeah. and that part happened and I was like, if I had to do that as the first thing I say on stage for HL's week, I'd shit myself. <laughs> yeah. That's awful. Yeah, you gotta be really? warm at like 5.30. And this is yeah. not the podcast for it, but Lin-Manuel does ask a lot more vocally from the women that he employs. Um, but I wonder not... why that is, Phoebe. <laughs> I, I couldn't say. Um... But it's not, I mean, it's not, it's not just her. Like, whoever is playing with Snobby is spitting lyrics. Also, like, incredibly musically, rhythmically challenging in a way that, like, the featured singers in tradition are, are maybe not being challenged. Perhaps a way to move us forward would to be, even though we don't want to, think of potential criticisms for either. Uh, last week or the week before, I talked a lot about how, like, I think Alexander Hamilton as an opening is weird because it does not tonally feel the same as the rest of the music in the show. And I feel the opposite way about In the Heights of I think it's a very cool tonal opening to the show. I find them both uh, sort of demanding in, a di- in different ways. Like I, I think the, the, right, we keep talking about how tradition, right, it still slaps, but it is like a very... Uh, structured beat and structured music and and also like Sarabot in the movements right that are very similar every time because they were so effective the mm. first time we saw them mm-hmm. and that is that is that sing somebody help me with this word synchronicity yeah, you got it synchronicity yeah. right uh and structure and uh blend is hard whereas I think like the, the the objective of In the Heights is not that. It's actually to do the opposite of that, right? And I something I really do appreciate... Ugh, now I'm just talking about things I appreciate. I think something I do appreciate about, about In the Heights is when you do see all those different characters, how distinct... Because lots of different people play these characters, but how distinct they all sound when they have those solo lines in their tones and in their timbres 
because of the character, uh, right? Uh-huh. Even if you have different people play them, they will always sound very different from each other in right. a way that is character, really exciting. Yeah, and character like, motivated, like musical difference. That's such a good point. Yes, yeah. and like, but the thing is, the the objective of tradition is the opposite. But that's also quite hard. And like, hmm. I I think like a tradition, uh, a oh god, I think a criticism I might have for either that that are pretty like surface is that I think. I think tradition is a is 30 seconds too long. I think it is 30 seconds too long. <laughs> and that sometimes in the middle, we lose the build of how excited we would be when we get dropped into the end because of that. Um, and I also think, not the talking parts, I love the talking parts, but, um, and similarly in the Heights, in the Heights has these sort of strange transitions that were probably put in for like simply movement logistics um, to give people time to, to get around and for the characters to change and the scenes to change. Um, but that I like, I, I think slows down the, the fast pace that we set once Usnavi is like really in everything. Um, but also I'll say, I love the first lines of both of these songs. I think they are <clears throat> so like, ugh, I'm having a very hard time. I thought if I talked, yeah. I would know, but so, I don't. <laughs> I mean, the problem is you might not know until I ask you to vote. Um, I have a thing to say. What, Phoebe, let's go, Phoebe. Then Anna. <laughs> Sorry, just I I do think that like we're we're talking about musical complexities and intricacies, which of course we are. This is a music theater podcast. Um, but I do think that like even if tradition is not as you know obviously challenging for certain vocal parts, it is a relentless song. Like not just in like how often they are repeating tradition. Um, but in the in the movement and and like the storytelling. But the thing that I love about both of them, sorry, it's not going to be helpful. But the thing <laughs> I love about both of them is my one of my like music theater pet peeves. It's why I don't like Les Mis that much. Is when there is when there's like a lot of musical overlay and and you are given as an audience member no help in knowing where to direct your focus. And I think that both tradition and in the heights do a really good job of like guiding you to what the lyric uh that is supposed to demand your attention is i think lin-manuel in particular is really really good at that okay so thinking about um the numbers in relationship to the rest of the musical this time around uh something i notice is that it feels like tradition or fiddler okay so tradition is like um, we're starting the show together. We're all starting the show together and we all move through time together. And there's like, okay, here's this, here's this theme that we're introducing and what's going to happen? We're not really sure, but we move through it in time together. Whereas In the Heights contains songs from the rest of the musical, like is much more self-referential, is even referential to like musical theater in general, making lots of references and it feels a little it feels just different not better or worse but different in the sense that it's like I don't know it feels like the musical all already exists and we're like stepping into it it's doesn't just like the way that the numbers the numbers specifically introduce the play uh the play the show whatever yeah well can I say one quick thing Alex and then we can go yes you may I was just thinking in my head about like okay what are some ways that I can like um 
take different opinion or like different uh, experiences with theater and like think about it that way. And I was thinking about like, okay, what if I brought like a person that I know tangentially, like not very well, like not a good friend of mine, but somebody who just like outside of theater, you know, and I was like, let's go see a show. And they were kind of like, I don't know if I like shows. And I was like, let's go see it and see what you think. If I was sitting next to them in the audience watching the opening numbers for Fiddler and for In the Heights, like which one would make me turn to them at the end excited and be like, do you want to watch more? And have them mm-hmm. say like, yes, I do want to watch more. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think that there's one that does and one that doesn't, but I actually think there's one that does a little bit more for me. Okay. Now we are going to vote. Okay. <sighs> And uh, we're going to do a fun little thing where we're going to go in the reverse order we did last time. Um, Wowie, zowie. uh, So, because, you know, we were on the left side, so we had to go left to right. And now we're on the right side of the bracket. We have to go right to left. So, we are going to start with Phoebe. You have five votes. Okay, this is bullying. (laughs) Okay. I think they're both wonderful. Um, I, you did also literally have to get off at 181st and take the escalator to get to my home. So it's going to be three for in the Heights and two for tradition. Sarah. I'll have what she's having. I think I'm doing the same three for, in the Heights, two for tradition. <laughs> oh, Anna, five votes. Yeah. Well, four for in the Heights and one for tradition. Mariah Lorraine. And uh, I'm going to do the opposite of what Anna did. So you're going to do four four for, for, for tradition and one for In the Heights. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's nine votes for tradition. And that's 11 votes for In the Heights. Incredibly close. Mm-hmm. Now, in the public... Fiddler on the Roof uh, tradition won the public vote 63 to 37. Whoa. With you guys. It should have been closer. (laughs) It should have been closer. You're right. With you guys uh, splitting your votes. Oh, no. Is it going to be a tie? Uh, No, it is is not a tie. Okay. You did not not overturn the public vote. Um, so, uh, the public, the public vote constitutes two thirds of the cumulative tally. 63% becomes 42%. You add, uh, your 15% from your nine votes and it gets you to 57.0. Just say it. So, (laughs) so, tradition defeats in the heights, 57 to 43. Okay. Where we'll meet... The circle of life. What? Wow. Wow. In the wow. finale. Mm-hmm. Are these songs what? both kind of the same a little bit? A little bit. A little what? bit. A little bit. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, that's it. The final is between the circle of life and tradition what? from Fiddler on the Roof. Really wild. Um, <laughs> either way, either both of these matchups were very hard for me to write down and, and be okay with. Um, <laughs> I could have seated the bracket differently so that yeah, we man. wouldn't have this problem, but these songs all, all, four all of these on songs you. Are, are really, really good. Um, 
In the Heights was was certainly a bit of a Cinderella story <sighs> to get to this point. Uh, had to take down some titans. Um, but the final is the Circle of Life from oh. The Lion King versus Tradition from Fiddler on the Roof. Wow, wow. Thank wow. you guys so much for doing this. Thank you, Anna. <laughs> thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Phoebe. Uh, shout out Wave Productions. Shout out <laughs> X Factors Acapella. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> Uh, shout out Spectrum Theater Company. Stop. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Um, that was for all my oh. old wild cats out there. Wow. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, thank you. And vote.